Welcome to the first episode of the TBU Fin Commercial Podcast. In today's episode, we'll take a look at what moves firms are making ahead of this week's Brexit deadline. We'll also consider Norton Rose Fulbright's move outside of the Middle East and whether this signifies a trend for global firms. In terms of business, we'll take a look at the streaming business and how it's becoming increasingly competitive, and we'll link this to the music streaming business, where Amazon and Apple are taking the fight to Spotify. Lastly, we'll consider Denton's changes to its training contract and what it could mean for future training solicitors. So as you all know, the Brexit deadline is coming up at the end of this week, and firms are trying to consolidate their position in Europe by planning ahead of this and making some changes. This past week, we've seen Herbert Smith Freehills has transferred its German business into its UK limited liability partnership. Now, it's important to know that this is a move that follows a trend by firms to secure their positions in Europe, as we said. But what exactly is the issue with German LLP? The German corporate law only allows for the use of a UK LLP following Brexit under the condition it operates as a branch of a firm which is managed out of London. This leaves UK firms with two options. The first one is to absorb the German LLP, as HSF has done, and the second one is to switch to a German partnership with a different liability provision. Historically, UK firms have preferred the UK LLP. This is because the model is particularly attractive due to its limiting of members' liability. This means that members are not personally liable for the depths of the partnership. And as a whole, this is a trend we're seeing in other firms. The German partnership status after Brexit has definitely been a concern for a number of firms. We've seen Simmons & Simmons creating a separate LLP, whilst Eversheds in Sutherland has planned out changes in case of a no-deal exit, which obviously would create more issues in terms of regulation for the UK uh, in relation to the EU and how firms would operate or continue to operate with their clients in Europe. If you were discussing this story, you could link this trend to firms like Dentons and DLA, who are strengthening their positions in Dublin. So aside from the German partnership status, which is definitely a factor here, you could also consider this move we have discussed a lot in our posts about how firms are moving into Dublin, which represents really a key location post-Brexit, which firms are consolidating to ensure that they can continue to provide their services to clients. Talking about Dentons, we've seen them set up an office in Dublin. Denton's CEO interestingly said that Ireland is a priority market for many of the firm's clients. So this really shows us the importance which Dentons, but global firms as a whole, are putting on Dublin as a way to consolidate their positions in Europe. Focusing on Dentons again, we're seeing such a big rise brought by its aggressive global strategy, which allowed it to gain a presence in 74 countries. Dentons has been expanding elsewhere in Europe. Aside from Dublin, we've seen it add lawyers to its Amsterdam office, but it has also increased its headcount in Dusseldorf, in Germany, in Rome and Milan. To conclude, this trend is likely to bring other jurisdictions to start to get more of a relevant presence in Europe or in the European region. So, for example, something like Luxembourg or Brussels could have an increasingly important role for firms, for especially for global firms, which are trying to strengthen their positions in Europe and try to avoid any negative impact that Brexit could have on their ability to serve their clients. And we've seen Reid Smith was the latest of the firms to recently hire a five-partner team to open its new Belgian office. These are all essential points for you to consider when discussing this story, and this is a very interesting trend to discuss, and also it's very relevant seeing as the Brexit deadline is basically upon us. In one of our posts this week, we've seen how Norton Rose Fulbright has closed its Bahrain office, and we wanted to consider what this actually means, the reasons behind this, and whether it signifies a trend for global firms. So to give some context here, the firm closed its Abu Dhabi base in 2018, and its remaining offices in the region, so in the Middle East, are in Dubai and Riyadh. This move does follow a trend by international firms, which are reducing their presence in the region. But what brought along this decision 
were two key factors. The first one is its sole partner's decision to relocate in the firm's Sydney office, and the second factor can be grasped by Norton's Middle East head, who stated that the decision by this partner to relocate to Sydney, matched with the evolution of the economy in the Middle East, led to the decision to consolidate the firm's resources in Dubai and Riyadh. So even if it's taking its lawyers out of Bahrain, the firm is expanding its Dubai office, and we've seen it with its recent hiring of Nick Kramer from CMS. He was a partner and the head of commercial construction in the Middle East for CMS. So this outlines the interest of Norton to expand and strengthen its office in Dubai. So we wanted to look at the reasons behind this trend. And we've seen quite a few global firms reducing their presence in the Middle East. Now, one of the key factors, if you're discussing this story, to mention as a reason behind this is often due to overinvestment during the 2000s oil boom. So a lot of firms during this period where commodities raised to a higher levels, they pursue the strategy of expansion in the Middle East and opening new offices. And now we're seeing a retreating kind of strategy by quite a good number of firms. And definitely this is a factor to mention if and when you're discussing this story. To give you some points to mention in terms of other firms, we've seen earlier this month, Winston Strawn concluded its five-year presence in the region by closing its Dubai base. Also seen Simmons & Simmons, Latham Watkins and HSF have also closed their Abu Dhabi offices uh, to focus on Dubai. So while it's true that firms are retreating from some areas of the region, we're seeing an increased presence in Dubai, which is becoming a focal point for firms. Instead of having a large number of smaller offices, to instead consolidate the resources into one or two main offices to serve our clients in the region. Now, in terms of business this past week, we've taken a look at the streaming industry. As you know, Netflix is the key leader in this industry, but it is seeing a rising concern in terms of its competition. And this past week has seen its shares briefly stumble after it posted a strong fourth quarter earnings, but it gave disappointing guidance on the coming quarter. But what's causing the concern for Netflix? The key thing to know is that company is facing increasing competition and it's facing it from big companies like Apple and Disney. Aside from this, it's also missing some predictions. Netflix did add 420,000 new customers in the last three months of 2019, but this was fewer than the 600,000 it had predicted. In terms of revenue, it did have $5.47 billion, which is a very good figure for it. But the company expects a slower subscriber growth in the first quarter of 2020. And this gave rise to concerns for investors over the rising competition we talked about from Disney and Apple. The rise of competitors is definitely a factor to consider when discussing this story, and you should outline how Netflix at the moment does hold the streaming crown, so it is the leader in the industry. But the competition may see its profits and numbers decrease, and this is backed by the fact that it's missing some predictions, but it's also expecting slower subscriber growth, as we've said. After Apple and Disney, you can consider how Netflix lost the rights to Friends. Now, this was one of its most watched series, and this year Warner Media bought it back as it's preparing to launch its own streaming service, which is HBO Max. So another element of competition for Netflix comes from here. In terms of what the future could hold, we'll definitely see more competition for Netflix, who has the advantage of being the pioneer in the industry so it can build on its early progress. It does have a solid foundation, meaning it can continue to be a leader in the industry, but I'll definitely be uncomfortable seeing the increased level of competition from big companies. We're prepared to invest a lot of money, but also take losses to build on a more long-term strategy to become the leading companies in the industry. If you want a more in-depth look at this topic, you can check out our video on YouTube where we discuss all these elements and what it could mean for the future and giving a look at what strategies each one is pursuing. 
Following the streaming industry, we said we'd bring a link to the music industry. And this has been very relevant this week because Amazon Music streaming service has gained 55 million users. This makes the e-commerce group a serious contender in a market that has been historically dominated by Spotify and Apple. Now to give some context, Apple last summer said it had 60 million subscribers to Apple Music. Meanwhile, Spotify does remain the market leader here. It has 113 million paying subscribers and 248 million total monthly users as of September. If we were to plot this out in terms of market share, Spotify is thought to have 35 of the market share, whilst Apple and Amazon have 18 and 13% respectively. So where do these elements take us? Well, it's important to outline how the growing trend in music streaming was started by Spotify. So similarly to Netflix, it was a pioneer in this industry. A very interesting factor is how Amazon Music was launched late. In fact, it was launched in autumn 2016, which was two years after Apple Music. However, Amazon did close the gap very quickly with its e-commerce dominance, high quality sound offering, and by undercutting its rivals on price. So these are three key elements to mention. In terms of high quality sound, what we mean is that you can pay a higher amount for your membership to receive songs in a higher definition, basically. So what does this actually mean? Well, we'll see a rise in competition. Well, Spotify is clearly leading the industry as Netflix is in the streaming business. But it is impressive how quickly Amazon has grown and it's definitely an interesting factor to look at, possibly in an interview. However, if we were to compare this to the streaming industry, we do believe there's less competition levels here and especially possibly more money being invested in the streaming business. Even if in both, there's definitely high levels of investment being brought to the table. Now, the last story we mentioned was Denton's changes to its training contract for its 2020 trainee intake. And the firm's focus here is really on building these T-shaped lawyers. What does this mean? So if you consider the letter T, it has a long vertical bar. And that represents the deep legal expertise the firm wants its lawyers to have. But above it, there's a shorter horizontal line, which represents the knowledge Denton's wants its lawyers to have in other disciplines such as technology, but also business. So it's really about building lawyers that are not only experts in the legal field, but also commercially aware. They also understand what technology means and what it could represent for the industry, and really building on this to develop the profession for the future. So it does take into account quite a good focus on technology. We're seeing it for mention elements such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, and smart contracts within this new training contract to strengthen how the firm is looking for these T-shaped lawyers. The trainee partner of Denton said that they want to build commercially and technically savvy business advisors. But is this a trend we're seeing in firms? We're definitely seeing top global firms refreshing their training contract to add elements of technology, but also to outline the importance that lawyers need to have in their understanding of the business. They need to be business advisors aside from being a legal advisor. They need to know how a successful business works and they need to be able to advise clients on this quickly and efficiently. A&O, for example, has launched a graduate scheme in London, which focuses on legal technology and project management. Clifford Chance has also launched a training contract which specifically focuses on law tech and leads to qualification as a solicitor. This scheme, Ignite, will initially take on five trainees in autumn 2021. We've also seen Adderstall Goddard offering a six-month seat to trainees within the in-house innovation and legal technology team as part of its training contract rotation. The key element here to grasp is that knowing law is basically not enough anymore. Solicitors need to be all-rounded advisors. They need to know more than just the plain law. And this is because clients are evolving with the industry. They not only need lawyers to advise them on whether something is legal, but also whether something is positive or clever from a commercial standpoint. And they want also to understand how technology could impact the industry. And this all reflects how the world is becoming more global. 
and it needs lawyers able to think quickly and provide reliable answers. So definitely an interesting trend to keep an eye on, especially for the future and what firms are trying to develop for their solicitors of the future. If you made it this far, I'd like to take a second to just thank you for listening and thank you to everyone that's been following the page and supporting us. It really means a lot. New episodes will come out every Monday, but be sure to click the follow button to ensure you never miss out on any new episode. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for the TBU team.